Welcome back, and uh, we're on part three of spending some time hearing Ricky's um, reflections and ruminations on matters to do with following Jesus. Um, last couple of episodes uh, are worthwhile listening to if you want to make a bit more sense out of this. However, um, I-, I wanted Ricky to focus a little bit on um, on the recent past. In fact, I want to talk a bit about you know the situation you're in now, but to help build a little bit of context, mm-hmm. how is it that you find yourself, I'm going to use the word, unemployed? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Catch us up and give us a bit yeah. of context, and um, and then and then I'll ask a few more yeah. questions in relation to that. And look, I apologise if I'm being a bit opaque or careful with what I say about politics, because I've been adamant all along in my involvement in church that I won't cease to seek to use our church and my involvement in it to promote my particular brand of politics. But it's as you say, there's a circumstance that's arisen now where I'm at this time of recording this podcast. My by the time people listen to this, I won't be, but I am unemployed. And that has been, uh, 2016 has been an incredibly difficult year. Maybe it has been for people listening too for different reasons. There's a lot of, I'm seeing on Facebook a lot of people saying that yeah. 2016 is a real stinker, you know, because, you know, David Bowie died and yeah, <laughs> other yeah. things. But Donald Trump's president. Yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, there's a lot of sadness around 2016. And for us, certainly, we could wallow in sadness about some of the things that have transpired this year. But we look with optimism towards 2017, um, and God is always doing new things. Um, So what happened was, my political journey was one where I was in state politics as an advisor, quickly got a fair amount of media work, and became a media liaison for one of our MPs. And then when we got a senator elected in the federal parliament, I, I volunteered to join him on his staff and became his chief of staff. Okay. And so I was in charge of uh, six or seven employees from time to time in two states uh, running the Senate office of our senator. But uh, unfortunately, um, he's no longer a senator. He resigned, and there's some controversy surrounding that. Um, and that's a matter that's now before the High Court at the time of recording. Yeah. Uh, and so I am in a position where, A, because my boss resigned under business pressure, uh, I no longer had a job as of that point. Um, and we're talking like four weeks ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, transpired, you know, it's actualised four yeah. weeks ago. I'm in a such a good space about this now, I've lost track of how many weeks it's been. So, But yeah, let's say it was four weeks ago he resigned, uh, and so I'm now... Um, unemployed, uh, but also because of the high court situation, the question of the configuration of our office, who's in charge of our office, is a question that won't be answered until February or March, uh, and um, my hand is up, uh, and people might have heard of me because I've been mentioned in dispatches as potentially becoming the senator, replacing yeah. my former boss. So um, I have this situation where um, I've heard from God about where I'm going in politics uh, and that was with in particular with people from our network praying again in Loxton where I heard that prophetic word about being involved in politics Uh, and I've got a strong sense of where God wants me to go but um, I I have to stand on that now for a period of unemployment for um, another couple of months or more now, I did get a severance package uh, yeah. because of the event, event that happened. My, um, so I have money to live off of, but incredible uncertainty uh, about what the future holds. It is worthwhile mentioning that uh, just prior to this happening, though, you've made, you know, I think three, three of the biggest thing, big, big things that happened in life, or two of them at least, you know, you've, you've moved house, yep. haven't yet sold that house. 
you've moved to a new location. Yeah. Purchased a block to build on. Yeah. And uh, boom, yeah. lose. You. I mean, it's it's hard enough to lose your job in yeah. the best of circumstances with mortgages, let alone having several yeah, yeah. considerations in the mix. So you know that 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 has compounded things. I would have thought. Absolutely. Um, and look, um, we're pretty good at beating ourselves up. Um, Satan's pretty good at throwing his own two cents worth in about. Well, you didn't, and I've got open here in my Bible. You know, the first word Satan says in the Bible, Genesis three verse one. Did God really say you must not eat from any yeah. tree of the garden? The yeah. first thing, the first work Satan does is is cause you to question God and question what you whether you heard him right or not. And so we've been standing on God's promises for us and his direction for my future. And then all of that has been knocked over like a... In a heartbeat. There, there was a, there was a, like a truck full of iced coffee. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. All, all the spilt milk is all over the road. There, there, there was a time in recent history where... Any day that I spoke to you, your potential future dramatically changed. Yeah. Dramatically changed. And so, you know, that was blowing about in the wind. Yeah. yeah. And beneath all of that was, you know, your own family's considerations. Yeah, yeah. In the, I see you've got a box here with Spectre on it. In the Spectre movie, there was that guy in the woods who says to James Bond, Mr. Bond, you're just a kite in a hurricane. Yeah. And that's what I felt yeah. like. Yeah, well, it looked like that to me yeah. from a distance. Yeah, I felt like a kite in a hurricane this year, um, and I really still don't know where I'm going to land. Yeah. Uh, but God, uh, you know, despite the efforts of my own thinking and Satan to convince me that God isn't a good God and he hasn't, you know, really looked after me here, I can see that he wants this time with me. He's provided financially for me for this time to be with him and praying reading the word and being with my wife and children in the place that he did call us to be, which is in the Barossa Valley. I had a specific dream, specific people were involved in the dream about moving to the Barossa. Yeah. And whilst the pictures you receive in dreams, and that's a good encouragement just to segue for a moment that uh, God can use your dreams. And I, I joke to people, I think I'm too stubborn in my Christian walk that he needs dreams to get through to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, that dream that I had was quite specific about moving to the Barossa. And for us, the thing that has given us the most, the second most blessing out of all of this has been positioning in the Barossa near my wife's family uh, where we can just do life and live a nice um, country life, which is what I've been brought up in and what I'm used to. The first most important thing uh, in all of this has been the love of our church and community uh, yourself and Taya and others through this experience, which I think you know from the bike accident yeah, you had, yeah, is that you realise the strength and love in this network, uh, and I don't really like calling it a network, it's more a family, yeah. when things get tough, tough yeah, when, when they things get, hairy, get tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, only, you just mentioned something before, um, and I read this to you um, before we went on air, and uh, it came to me this morning, it didn't come to me, I was reading it this morning, and, and I thought of you, and I think it speaks of something when you're faced with adversity and some of the conventional thinking around it, and I think you, you talked about kingdom metrics, so if you can expand on that a little bit in a sec, but um, from Romans chapter 8, verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? doesn't mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And so I have, I have witnessed with your particular situation, 
you know, adversity and things not going anything close to plan and then finding yourself falling short in areas where, you know, five minutes before um, it was okay, that you haven't then cried out, why God? Why me? Yeah. Hang on a minute. There's, where's the blessing? Yeah. Part of, part of why we are in the type of church that we are is because <clears throat> I got was given a book about um, the persecuted church called Jesus Freaks. Oh, the yeah. DC Talk had yeah. helped compile. And through that became aware in particular of the persecution of the Chinese church. I know we've got a smattering of Chinese listeners. Yeah. Um, Things could be a lot worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, okay. here, us Western Aussie Christians, we can mope and moan about, you know, but I'm, I'm on, the money I'm on, you know, to do what I'm doing right now is good. So, you know, I could be unemployed with no money uh, and no idea where my future holds, or I could be like Brother Yuan, and I encourage people to read The Heavenly Man about yeah. Brother Yuan, imprisoned, you know, and past, uh, Brother Yuan says, um, I was getting a bit too full of myself, I'm paraphrasing here, I was getting a bit too full of myself and God decided to send me on a holiday to get closer to him. And when he talks about holiday, he means go to jail, get arrested by the Chinese authorities and get closer to God again. So, you know, Brother Yuan uh, and a lot of believers that I think we in the West don't have much direct access to have a much better, in my view, and more godly perspective on trouble and trials and persecutions than we really have any idea about in the West. Yeah. Yeah, Paul says, you know, I'm glad. I actually, I, I like boasting mm. about my persecutions, hardships, insults, mm. and these things that I suffer for Christ. Because when I'm weak, he's strong. Yeah, and that's what I think you hinted at earlier, talking about metrics in the kingdom. The metric for success in the kingdom of God uh, is not prosperity. No. It's not a pile of money that you're sitting on. It's not how many believers you brought to Christ even. Your metric is that you know that you're a son or a daughter of God yeah. and that you're loved by Him and that you are loving others as an outpouring of that. And it's not about numbers. It's not about how many people you love. Because let's be honest, you cannot in human relationship have an effective, loving relationship with a thousand people. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What you can do is raise spiritual sons and daughters who can show the kind of love you've shown them to other people and then it is your family traits or traditions, your loving uh, ways, as I've seen in my own first family, as I call it, my flesh family, um, you know, that are transmitted through the generations. Now yeah. we can have spiritual generations by transmitting love in every in every way to those that God has given us close to us. Yeah, you you know, you just remind me of I've been reading a book at the minute um, called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, and it's a it's a guy who studies early church history with great depth. And he said, you know, they, they weren't seeking to do things um, with great um, you know, flash and, and, you know, success and podiums. They were patiently plying the life that they'd been given. And in doing so, um, the testimony of their um, resilient faith in Christ Jesus mm-hmm. and the values that they kept plying within whatever they were doing and the mission that they had... Uh, was the thing that actually spoke loudest yeah. to to the community that you know because you know, the question that the author asks in this book is why did the why did the church grow so rapidly when the when the writing of the early church was around patience and things which didn't seem to be like modern church growth techniques yeah um, and to, and to know too that when Christ um, entered the place of suffering to the cross he patiently endured the suffering knowing that God's purpose would prevail 
through it and beyond it. Yeah. And and that we can we can apply the same thing so that you know you can actually you can you can read Romans you can read the scriptures where Paul speaks about suffering and difficulty and say I can actually boast about that because Christ comes through. Yeah, that's right. We we can't we are defined by our being a son or daughter of God, not that's right. by the our brilliant role, things we do. our title, our career. That's why I'm always cautious talking about what I do in politics within our network because in the world it's seen as significant. Yeah, as I yeah. admonished our gathering in the Barossa a little while ago, in the kingdom what's significant is totally different to what the world yeah. says is significant. Yeah. So don't get sucked into the world's games about this is significant and that's not. I mean, the people who will invest time in people who are struggling and hurting, the world says that's not significant, but... For the kingdom and for God, who loves that person, he's sending someone who, you know, has his heart for that person, and yeah. that's significant to now, him. Now, I see you got your Bible open. What, what are you um, going to refer to, or am I going, going to put you on the spot and yeah, have a look, look silence? No, I've got it here, because I really do want to hammer home how God is present in the disaster. Yeah. Uh, how, and I shared this on the Facebook group for Starfish Oz recently about... Um, how God um, is there in the difficult times, is there in the sickness, is there in the um, struggle, is there in the why am I not healed yet. Yeah. And there's some good apologetic reasons, which is another jargon term, I guess, but there are good reasons to unpick, well, if everyone got healed, everyone would be a Christian, wouldn't they? So Supposedly, you know, yeah. Yeah, because they think, well, if I want to get healed, I can go to hospital or go to a church because I know yeah. I'll be healed. God isn't about the party tricks. He's about the heart and yeah. about people loving him. I mean, Jesus was constantly frustrated. Is that the fair term to use? Let's go with it for now. Frustrated that people wouldn't listen to him about the kingdom because they kept bringing the sick to be healed by yeah. him. Mark 1's a good one where, yeah. you know, the, the party had started, people getting healed, and the disciples went and found him on a rock playing to the father. He says, no, that's not my business. Yeah. What does Jesus keep doing when people... He keeps trying to hide in Mark's gospel in particular. He keeps yeah. saying, just shut up about... Why not just <laughs> just go to the temple and present yourself and, you know, yeah. just... Shh. And what do they do? They all go out and they talk about yeah. the healing. But that's not the gospel Jesus was there to proclaim. Yeah. Not prosperity, not healing, but about the kingdom. And, you know, the difficult balance in all of this is notwithstanding the fact that Christ, God, does bring healing mm. in the power of Christ, but to, to, to face off the reality of life that we all, we're all, you know, 100%, we're all going to the grave. Yeah, yeah. Look, what I have open is Acts 27, and it might not be an area people dwell in in Scripture, but for me and my staff during this period of incredible difficulty in our office and incredible uncertainty, and just to understand a couple things about Paul, I mean, um, it, it's, we, we sort of get the impression from church history that he wanted to get to Spain that he had heard from God he had to get the gospel to Spain. Yeah. He didn't get to do it, you know. So even Paul, we talk about hearing from God, he had a strong feeling that that had to happen and it didn't happen. Yeah. He also had this feeling, this this sense he had to take the gospel to Rome. And even the church in, in Jerusalem said, Paul, yeah, well, it's a bit, bit dicey. I mean, you're going into the lion's den there, mate. I think there is even prophets full of the Holy yeah. Spirit, it says in Scripture, yeah. that said, don't go back to Jerusalem. Don't go. Don't be go. bound. Yeah, yeah. And so Paul... Um, He's on his journey to Rome, and in Acts 27, the ship wrecks. Now, he hears from God about what's going to happen, and he tries to tell the captain, the captain won't listen, uh, read it for yourself. But we were in, in a sense, a shipwreck yeah. in, in what was happening with us in the political arena. And um, 
we found, I, and I spoke with our staff you know, to give them comfort about the shipwreck because it was unforeseen what happens to us. But God was glorified in it, and we, you know, in the shipwreck that's in Acts 27, not one soul was lost. Yeah. Nobody drowned. Yeah. Yeah. And that, Paul prophesied that, and that's how it turned out. Uh, and there can be God's purpose unfolding in the midst of the shipwreck. And if yeah. indeed the gospel is shown through the shipwreck, not through Paul safely sailing all his way to Rome. Yeah. I mean, not only that, the gospel would never have got to Malta, which as I understand, Malta is a fairly strongly Christian nation yeah. to this day. Well, the gospel wouldn't have got to Malta potentially if the ship hadn't been wrecked there. So we've got to see that when life, when we get wrecked, uh, you know, when when we get trashed, when our truck collides with something and suddenly life just, you know, someone dies Spins unexpectedly. And we go, what? That's not, God, that's not what I thought, where I thought things were going. Just remember that's how God gets his work done in yeah. us and in yeah. the world, is by vulnerability, that term we talked about earlier, um, being um, sometimes humbled and shown also the fragility of life uh, and how we have to treasure every moment in this life, but also look forward to the life to come. Uh, we have to live as pilgrims in this world. We have to travel lightly. Uh, during this whole experience, something God's shown me is the importance of letting things go. We had a block of land we were going to build on, and we really felt God was in this this block and where it was. And I've shown people that block from our church and said, this is it, this is where it's happening. And then we felt like someone treading water, carrying medicine balls, and we're like, I'm sinking, I can't get air, I've got to let go of a medicine ball. Yeah. So we let go of the block, uh, got that, got out of that, thankfully God gave us, got our deposit back. So it's important to realise and not hang on to, and this is something I really wanted to get across here, not say uh, hang on to something so tightly that you end up sinking with it. God yeah. is not someone you can put in a bottle and say, well, I'm going to shake that out the next time I need God. Yeah. He is creative and different in every circumstance. So if you heard from God at one point, and then you're at another point, and you're hanging on to that, it might be that you have to let it go, because sometimes God uses those things you heard earlier to move your position, Yes. move where you are from A to B. I mean, Paul um, had heard that God had said, go to Rome, take the gospel to Rome. Now, he gets there in the end, but God didn't necessarily tell Paul he's going to wreck him in Malta yeah. on the way. Yeah. But that was also God's purposes being fulfilled. So God may yet, like Job, restore a whole bunch of things to us that we thought were going to happen. But if he doesn't, that's fine. As I've said from Ephesians 2 verse 10, you know, we are God's workmanship uh, created in Christ uh, for the works that he has prepared for us in advance. In past, yeah, so if, 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 the, if everything falls out in the political realm and I'm doing something else, well, that's part of the works God's prepared for me in advance. When you speak, when you speak about letting things go, and Paul getting to Rome, I, I'm often amused by the was it forty Pharisees that had made a pact that they would not eat until they'd killed Paul or got him captured. They died like, hungry, didn't oh, they? They died hungry, or you know, like a bloke said to me, they probably changed their mind. They did let it go eventually when uh, the roast dinner came in on Sunday. Um, look, once again, Ricky, um, fa- fantastic stuff, and I think um, I, th- I think we miss a lot when Scripture speaks about suffering and speaks about facing life, real life in Christ Jesus if we don't um, talk about the reality of what this all means. And, uh, and it occurs to me even as you speak that, you know, I, I can boast about the things that I do, and especially in the Australian context, the, 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 the poppy will be cut. Mm. Um, but in any, in any place, in any time, um, to boast about yourself doesn't bode well, and it only is about you. But when I boast in my weakness about what could only be Christ, mm. 
it elevates and exalts his name. And that's what I'm actually seeing evident in your life. I heard Trav last night say a similar thing about what's happening in you, that you know no one will be lost. And even as the shipwreck happens, there'll be a testimony to the power of Christ to bring you safely to shore. Yeah, and he has shifted even my position on things, not politically, but in shifted me in terms of how I would have approached things. If things had gone smoothly and I'd gone all the way to Rome, just carry on with the analogy, Yeah, yeah. I might have been like Paul, a bit full of myself and boom, boom, boom. Yeah. But to be held up and pulled nearer to God and realize the demonstration of his power in the shipwreck... Uh, sends me with a different perspective if that's where I end up yeah. because I realise um, how intensely interested God is in me uh, and not because I'm special because he's intensely interested in everyone yeah. listening to this and everyone in the world and that we can get worked up about where we think God is sending us to use us but if we lose sight of him in the process he's probably going to let things get wrecked again so he can bring yeah. us back to him. Yeah, holiday in jail. Look, to anyone who uses their 15-minute, tight 15-minute uh, drive to work to listen to this, I apologise, you've had to sit in the car for an extra four minutes to, to hear the end of this episode. Um, trust that uh, as you work out your faith in Christ Jesus, his purpose will prevail in uh, whatever space you find yourself in today.